Before we get going, please do not forget to rate and subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. This helps us get the show out to as many people as possible. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Couch Guys Sports. Thanks, guys, for listening, and enjoy the show. The only gripe I have with you is destroying Wawa. This! Who else is going to pay you this kind of money? And who else needs you that bad? The contracts are getting too out of control. It. The guy is such a loser. The Couch Guy Sports Podcast. He holds on to that ball. They have another play. They win the game. With Nick Qualley. At one point, you have to go, okay, this isn't working. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's Jared Scally. You guys have and a terrible coach guys. and a terrible quarterback. You guys can all screw and figure out how to be a real organization. I can't even be mad. Couch Guy Sports Podcast, episode number 109. We got me, Nick Qualley. We have Jared Scally, and we have the best producer in the game in Patty P, Pat Schofield. And boy, guess what? It happened again. We went on a little guest route. We have a guest this week, Evan Marinovsky of CLNS Media. You guys have probably seen him all over Twitter. He's 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 pretty big on Twitter. It's, if you've seen him, that's that's good chance that you've seen one of his videos out there. Uh, and then also he's all over clnsmedia.com, covers the Bruins for CLNS. So guys, catch that interview. We talk all Bruins Stanley Cup against the Blues now that we actually know who the Bruins are playing because I feel like the Bruins haven't played for a month since they <laughs> swept the Eastern Conference Finals against the Carolina Hurricanes. So we talk about the Bruins playoffs. And then in the rest of the episode, we got the weekly dump. We have Pedroia and Michael Chavis. I want to talk about that for a little bit because that is an interesting topic with the Red Sox. I want to touch on the report that came out this week that teams are wary about signing Kyrie Irving now, which is interesting. And then I want to talk about Drake courtside during Raptors games. Just giving massages to the head coach. Yes, <laughs> because he's been pretty wild. So let's get into the weekly dump. <laughs> the worst news of the week. This is sad as legend Koji Uihara officially has announced his retirement from baseball on Monday. Series. Koji. Koji has one of the best seasons that a Red Sox relief pitcher had ever seen in 2013 after just one phenomenal season. I believe like, Dice Gate so, is MVP season. Like, oh yeah. So I was trying to confirm the stat before the show, but I just, for whatever reason, I couldn't find it. I don't know if I was just Googling wrong. Um, I think once he became, cause he won the closing job in June because mm-hmm. that was the year. Wasn't Andrew Bailey supposed to be the closer? Yep, that was the Andrew Bailey year. That Well, Andrew Bailey had a couple years, but he just never worked out. So Andrew yeah. Bailey was supposed to be the closer. It ends up coming down to Koji Uihara becoming your closer in June. And I believe after that, he gave up two earned runs in the regular season. And then yeah, he it, didn't give up like any. And then in the postseason, he pitched 13.2 innings, gave up one earned run. So Koji, legend here in Boston, the king of high fives, again gave up one earned run during, during the 2013 postseason and won the ALCS MVP that season. Ball of energy, I love that guy. What, my favorite gif of him, my favorite video of him of all time, is when he's going around giving high fives through the dugout. And I don't know who was sitting on the bench, but whoever it was didn't turn around to give him a high five, so he just slapped him in the arm, just hit him, and scared the shit out of him. He's like, you didn't give me a high five? Fuck you. Koji Koji was a legend. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have released their star defensive tackle, Gerald McCoy, after nine seasons with the team, and he now has several teams at least showing some interest. One of those teams would be the New England Patriots. Who? Bill. 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 I I wouldn't mind it. I said I said on the CLNS Patriots roundtable before that 
I, I know a lot of people are focusing on the receiving position for the Patriots, but I've got an inkling that the receiving core is going to be just fine because you brought back Ben Watson. He might not be as great as he was anymore uh, or as, as great as he was in his previous stint here when he was younger. But you've still got Julian Edelman just re-signed for a two-year contract. You have Nikhil Harry, who I've got a lot of confidence in. He's an unknown at this point, but I have a lot of confidence in, in him. Safarian Jenkins has the potential. I, I really think Josh Gordon's going to play this year. I really do. I think it's going to be early. Demarius Thomas. Like, it, people it, are like, Demarius oh, he's going to suck. It's like, Demarius you Thomas. have Demarius Thomas, who's healthy. Like, you see these videos of him at camp. He's running. He's moving quick. Demarius Thomas is going to be himself this year. I'm pretty convinced of that. But on top of that, with Josh Gordon, I really think Josh Gordon's going to play because I don't know if you've seen the recent news this week, but the NFL is looking into potentially making marijuana okay for the uh, players. When would that? Smoke. But that's not going to be now. So he's, under the current rules, he's still going to get suspended. Could, it, it would be in the next collective bargaining agreement, but I mean, we'll see. Because we don't, again, we don't even really know what he did to break the the probation with the NFL because it could have just been a missed drug test, not a failed drug test. Cause we don't know. We never got that actual news. No, it never came out as officially marijuana. We just all supposedly thought and assumed it was the reed. It was, was the reefer. It was the reefer. It was the devil's lettuce. Then, well, did you do what Chris Long said today? And he was smoking weed regularly. Yeah, like great. Like, perfect. So is Josh Gordon. Yeah. Per Albert Breer's tweet. This is the best news of the week. Kansas City's proposal on overtime uh, to allow both teams a possession was not voted on. Doesn't have the support to warrant one. So literally everybody laughed in Kansas City's face and said, guys, play better football in the AFC championship game. Stop the other team's offense if you want to go to the Super Bowl. It's that simple. We've had the same rule for 52 other seasons, 53 other seasons. Get over it. You lost. That's your fault. Travis Kelsey probably had an aneurysm over it today. But the, rule hasn't, the rule hasn't been the same forever, but I get your point. It's been basically the same forever in regards to you, if you score a touchdown. I know I know the field goal. Field goals don't count anymore. But at least they altered that. That actually makes sense. Giving both teams possession, stupid. Stop them. There's now speculation that the Clippers are equal threats to sign Kevin Durant as the Knicks are. Why? I don't know. Dude, Maybe Doc Rivers has got to be licking his chops if that's the case. Well, I mean, this is what I'm thinking. Kyrie probably, I don't know the cap space over there with the Clippers, but Kyrie would probably go there. He is the same person who kind of took a shot at Brad Stevens this year for not playing in the league. And everybody was saying, you probably like playing for, for Doc. Doc well, was the point. Doc was the point guard. There we go. There we go. So hey, I would Doc, Doc and Kyrie would actually work. Doc, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant, probably a badass team. And Wins the championship. The, the media isn't nearly as crazy with the Clippers as they are with the Lakers. No, especially because the Lakers are a shit show right now. Yeah, probably best for both of them. The Bruins now have their opponents set for the Stanley Cup Finals as they will be seeing the St. Louis Blues, who finished off their series against the Sharks in Game 6. Game 1 will be played on Memorial Day. Celtics' Marcus Smart finally gets first-team defensive honors for the first time. That's his first time, right? Yeah. Should have been like three or four by now, but yeah, yeah, it was his first one. First team defensive honors. I also saw Kyrie got a vote for second team. Like sh whoever Who voted votes that for Kyrie, he's the worst defender I've ever seen in my life. And lastly, Alabama 
Alabama continues to be the worst state in the United States. My disdain for that state is through the roof. If we could get rid of one state, it would so be them. I hate Alabama. Alabama is the friggin' worst. And the reason I'm set off right now is because Alabama public television refuses to, to air the Arthur episode where Mr. Ratburn marries a man. So, guys, let me get this straight, Alabama. So, you guys are fine. You guys don't want to kill, kill fetuses, okay? That's a whole different subject. You guys don't want to have abortion, whatever. 11-year-old girl gets raped? Well, fuck it. Who cares? They got to carry the fucking baby. But you guys can't air an Arthur television show that shows a rat getting married to another male rat are you kidding me so you guys are willing to abort children i mean not abort children you guys want to make children uh, uh other people suffer if uh, under excruciating circumstances if that is the case but you guys are fine with gay kids in middle school elementary school struggling to come out being suppressed and seeing this and thinking that it's still not okay to be gay, potentially killing themselves. So that's fine. On that's you, Alabama. That's on you. Okay, Alabama? What a joke of a state. That's pathetic. That makes me, I don't know if you can tell, I'm very upset about that. But you know what, Nick? You know what? Roll Tide, baby. Roll oh, Tide. I hope Alabama goes 0-12 next year. I don't even know how many games college football players. I hope they lose every game. That is, I hate that state, man. I hate that state. Especially with this, like, it's pathetic. Pathetic. Actually. Pathetic. Are you guys that sensitive that you guys can't air an Arthur kids show with two men getting married? Are you that scared? Oh my God. Pathetic. Pathetic. All right. Well, that's a happy note. Let's move on to the Evan interview, huh? <laughs> Evan Marinovsky, CLNS Media. We got to, we got to talk about the Bruins versus the St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup final. We got a little preview here. So, guys, we'll jump right into it. Evan Marinovsky of CLNS Media. All right, we are yeah. here with Evan Marinovsky of CLNS Media. Evan, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. Of course. Anytime, guys. All right, so obviously, like we were saying uh, pre-show, we brought you on to specifically talk about the Boston Bruins. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Boston Bruins in the Stanley Cup Final. See, here's the thing about the Bruins being in the Stanley Cup final. We just have so many championships around here that it's like at some point you just forget. You look up and you're like, oh, damn. Okay, we have another championship coming around. Got to get ready for that. Got to throw a party for that. So, brought you on to talk about those bees. You ready to talk some Bruins? Oh, I am all. You know what I love about this time of year, Nick? What I love is uh, I said this on the Bruins beat uh, yesterday, which you can listen to on CLNS Media. Brand new episode out shameless plug um but uh i i said this red sox have all summer patriots have august until february the celtics and bruins sort of battle it out after that and then whoever gets farthest in the playoffs gets you know their time in the limelight and that's the bruins right now so i love this time of year it's red sox are a distant distant second patriots kind of starting otas it's all bruins baby it's awesome i love it yeah, you know what? You know, it's perfect. It's it, This even goes more into the Bruins' favor that the Celtics were such a dumpster fire since they were so unlikable. And watching the Bruins just be likable, I think it's just amplified how much people like them because they're actually yeah. like a good – their chemistry is flawless. Then you look at the Celtics, you got Kyrie being a dumbass. 
it's it's like the Bruins likeness is just through the roof right now. Oh yeah, and it's 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 I mean it's a better product to watch. Um, I think for when it comes to clickable headlines, I think the Celtics were better just because you had Kyrie mouthing off a lot. You had you know guys like Terry Rozier, Jalen not Jalen Brown, Marcus Morris sort of making comments. The Bruins were just more likable, and it's you know. I think people they it was a better product this year and I'm and I'm glad they've made it as far as they have just for the sake of this team needs attention and I'm glad they're getting it right now. All right, so I'm going to ask you this then. There's a lot of speculation about whether or not this 10 day it's going to be a 10 day layoff if I'm correct um between yeah. the Bruins game 4 and the uh game 1 of the Stanley Cup final on Memorial Day next Monday. So, I mean, my question is the obvious one here. Do you think this is going to really affect the Bruins and more specifically the one that I think we all have to worry about? Do you think that it's going to affect the hottest goalie in hockey right now, Tuka Rask? Um, so, I actually – so, the numbers don't favor them at all. The last 16 Stanley Cup teams who have uh, had the more rest are 2-14, and 14, and the last six are 0-6. So, the numbers are not in the Bruins' favor. However – Excellent. The Blues, I know, right? <laughs> Great. But the Blues play a very physical style of hockey, which you tend to need more rest for. And now they only have five days off. The Bruins have ten. So the Bruins have had all this time to sort of recover and get healthy. So when they go against the Blues and the Blues are coming at them physically, in a physicality aspect, the Bruins are, you know, healthy. They're not, you know, the, the nagging injuries that have sort of been tugging at guys, they've had time to sort of, you know, get healthy and all that stuff. I don't think the rest will hurt them. I think they will come out slow in game one. I don't expect them to come out flying off the top of the game uh, in game one of the, the first of the first period in game one. Um, it's just whether or not they can withstand the Blues in the first period. I mean, the fact that Tuka Rask was able to stop all 20 of those Carolina Hurricanes shots in the first period of game three pretty much shows that he can literally do anything you ask him to do. Um but then the question is, is he going to be rusty? I don't know. I, like, he continues to say it's no big deal. I'm in my zone, all this stuff. But it's 10 days. Like, it's a long I, I don't time. Know. That's a long time. And granted, they have the scrimmage uh, tonight or Thursday when, when people listen. Thursday night. But I don't know how. They're two 25-minute periods. I don't know how much that keeps Rask fresh. Um I, it's tough to tell with Tuca. I mean, that's a, honestly a coin flip. I'm going to go with the fact that he's so hot that it doesn't affect him, but I'm, I'm just easily telling you it could. Evan, do you believe in Tuca? Because Nick and I are definitely on the books of we never have in the past, but we might be kind of finally coming around to it. Um, do you really think this is actually Tuca's time, and do you think the scrimmage actually makes a difference? Yeah, and Evan, Evan, real quick before you answer this, like, uh, like when Jared says that we were not on the Tuca train, we were so far off. We were on the road waving to the train. On the I was trying to find Tim Thomas in Colorado to bring him back. That's where we were. I was on the road to Colorado to get him out of the bunker. You're on the side of the train waving. Legit. We were so off the train. I was expecting you to like preface it by saying no, 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 no. Because the, the two, so I, you know, I don't know if I never believed in him, but there were a lot of points during the year where I said Halak should start. Like I thought Halak should have started the Winter Classic. 100. percent I mean, I I was on I was on the Halak train for a lot of the year. I mean, I've recently jumped on the Tuka train, and I've always I've never been an anti Tuka guy. I don't think I've been as far off as you guys, um, but I don't 
if you go back and look at the soft, so he's been soft in the playoffs before. Like there are two good defenders who'd be like, no, like granted the senators were better than them. The Bruins in 2016, 2017, when they played in the first round, but Tuka let in soft goals, Tuka let in soft goals against the Leafs in 20 last year. They were lucky to get out of that game seven. I mean, he almost got pulled. He did get pulled in that series and against the lightning. He had, he had soft goals. So I've never been one to be like, oh, my God, Tuka Rask is the second coming of Jesus Christ himself. But he's, I think this is his time in the playoffs. It just feels like it. And I think nothing personifies that more than Justin Williams took a shot at him. I think it was in game four. Just a wrist shot from the slot. And Tuka just had his glove right in the right place, didn't even flinch, went right in his glove. And it was like he's just so locked in. Like, he, he knew that Williams was going high glove. He just knew it from the pre-scouts, whatever it was. He knew that was happening, and he just didn't even move. So it's little things like that, and the puck's finding him. Like, he's even said he hasn't, there, there are pucks he hasn't seen that he's just made saves on. There was a save, I think it was game three, it might have been game four, where he went, like, post to post, uh, two-on-one on Sebastian Ajo, and he stacked the pads. And everyone, including myself, flipped out over it at the beginning. But then when you actually went and looked at it, it hit him square in the chest. So I think a lot of it is it's just his time. And, and I think once he get, I mean, he needs a cup more than anybody. He, it's, it's sort of been – this is an all-Boston sports podcast, so I can, you know, we can talk about this. But it feels like for <laughs> Boston teams, it feels like it's the year of guys who are typically chokers coming up big. You have David Price. And the Red Sox, who really weren't much of winners, you know, Moogie Betts, Xander Bogart, they hadn't really shown that they could win yet. They win the World Series, mainly David Price. That was my point there. And then, obviously, Kyrie did nothing, so who cares? We'll forget about that. And then you come to the Bruins, where you have Tuka right now, who's doing this. So it just feels like the time for him. It feels like he's going to get his cup. Uh, he's going to – and, and I, what I would hate to see is – him come out in the Stanley Cup, play out of his mind and lose, because then it's like you still have the Tuca haters, which I don't mind. Like, as I said, his hate in the past has been somewhat warranted. I'm not one of those people who's like, he's perfect, but there, I mean, there have been times that he's been crap, but I do think this is his year. All right, so let's talk about the Blues. So, obviously, Bruins got the Blues game one Memorial Day. Um, how do you feel about this matchup? What scares you the most if anything scares you there's got to be something what scares you the most that you think gives the blues an advantage over the bruins going into the series uh they're the blue jackets on steroids they're the blue jackets but deeper so they hit they don't hit, like they that hit. i know they're physical as hell um and they're deep i mean every they're kind of like the bruins every line can do something um i mean i i just I'm interested to sort of see how Tarasenko and Pasternak match up. I don't know if their lines will go against each other, um, but sort of to see how they perform on the same, you know, playing surface, I think will be interesting. I think Ryan O'Reilly versus Patrice Bergeron is something to watch because obviously around here, everyone hypes up Patrice Bergeron, and rightfully so. He's an amazing two-way defender, two-way forward, you know, all that fun stuff. But Ryan O'Reilly is essentially the same thing not as good and hasn't really won anything, but they're, they're very similar. And when Ryan O'Reilly was in Buffalo, he caused a problem here. So I'm interested to see if their lines match up, if Bergeron goes against O'Reilly's line, uh, or if uh, Bruce Cassidy or Crick Baruby switches that up. Um, 
I don't know what, what the, I don't, they haven't said what their plan is yet. Obviously, the Bruins just found out who they're playing a day ago. It's funny, Bruce Cassidy, when he was asked who would rather play uh, a couple of days ago, he was like, well, we're, we've, we're pre-scouting the Sharks and the Blues, so next year we'll be really good against both of those teams <laughs> if we don't have to play them. So, um, I don't know. I think that they're, they're a good heart. They're, they're a hard physical team to play against. Um, but I do worry about the fact that they've been, you know, playing this way through three rounds. And I wonder if they're starting to wear down. I don't think they have any major injuries, but I do wonder if guys are dealing with, you know, hurt shoulders, the legs are hurt and that whole sort of thing. So, um, they're, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be hard. I'd be hard pressed to, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's the best team the Bruins have played all playoffs. I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, I know, really bold to say. I tell myself that. <laughs> the team we're facing in the championship, the best, best team, team in the playoffs. The best team. <laughs> the best team is in the championship. Well, I mean, sometimes it's not the case. I mean, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example. The Hurricanes in the Eastern of, Conference Final? <laughs> that wasn't. Well, that was a joke. That was, that, that's why, you know, the NHL needs to cut the crap with the, with this playoff format of, you have to win your division first. The fact that the Hurric- the fact that Capitals lost to the Hurricanes in the first round, I don't care they won the, cha- the Stanley Cup last year. Soak artists, come on! Oh, it was I mean, pathetic. Do you see that Hurricanes team? I I think Nick, I think we could go out there and play them and and put on a better series. Well, I can, I can barely Hurricanes skate, too. so if I'm on sneakers. Yeah, well, I, I don't. Might. Soak are some of those guys from Hurricanes. So, um, I I just. I don't know. I think that this is because I compare them to the blue, the, the blues to the blue jackets, but I also look at the Maple Leafs who are their toughest matchup yet. Um, and I, I they, the, the blues don't have a ton of speed. You know, you have Tarasenko, you have Schwartz, but nobody off the charts, charts, Robert Thomas. Um, but I'm interested to see how this series goes. I don't know if my prediction's locked in yet. I think I have one, but well, I guess I'll save that for later. <laughs> um, one guy I'm curious about is David Backus, you know, playing his former team, going for the cup. Um, he's been locked in since he got put in the lineup earlier in the playoffs. It's kind of lined up for him to have a big series, and he's kind of a key factor in, in what this Bruins team can do moving forward, playing on that second line. Yes. Uh, I'm surprised that he's made the impact he has, because if you remember in the regular season, he was useless. I mean, he was. He was – he, he was on the ninth floor the first, half the season. Yeah. I mean, I was sitting next to him. I mean, the first... <laughs> the first nice I guy, mean, like Pete te- Technically wasn't sitting next to him, but on the same floor. So, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't want I don't want to get fact-checked by people, because I don't want that to happen. But um, if, if you look at it, I mean, there were times he, as, I, as, you, got, as you said, he sat for the first time in his career ever. Um they couldn't find his spot, whether it be on the fourth or third line. They tried him on the second line during the season. It never worked. He was slowing down the Krejci and DeBrusque line. Now he's sort of this grinder on the second line. It's almost like they're hearkening back to the days of 2011 where, you know, he'd line up a line where you have two skill guys and a bruiser, and that's what he's been. And he's also contributed on the score sheet. I mean, he has a couple of goals. You know, he's factored in a few of these. I, which surprises me. I mean, the NHL has gone so far away from the way David Packett plays. I mean, it's a faster game. He's kind of lucky that the Blues are hard-hitting because that helps his style of play, whereas against the Maple Leafs, you'd have guys skate right past them, you know, to make him look like a turnstile. Um, and this series, you know, he's going he's gonna to go against guys who are hitting just as hard, and they're not, and, and they're not as fast as other teams. 
So I think this series is shaping up to be big. I also think going against, as you said, his former team, you know, he's talking about that today. You know, he's like, look, I texted those guys that, you know, I love you now. I love you after the series, during the series, I'm going to hate you. And, you know, I think that it's, it'll be telling for him because he left St. Louis to go win a champ to go win a cup. And to think that he went to Boston and granted they're in the cup. So he'd made a good choice there, but his former team is now in the cup and he has to go against them. So I think it's going to be telling. I mean, this is whether or not his choice was correct. I mean, it's no doubt that his play has declined since he's gotten here, but if he wins this cup, he made the right choice leaving St. Louis. If he loses, he made the wrong choice. I mean, it's, it's pretty much right down the middle on the choice there. Okay, so speaking of guys who've slowed down, we saw Zidane Chara throughout the year. He had a great year. It's been super obvious through the postseason that the amount of play, or there, there could be an injury, but it just seems like the amount of play and the amount of energy it's taken. He's 41 years old, 42 years old. It's slowed uh, oh him. Oh, my God. I think he's 41. I think he's 41. But he's you can, you can tell that he's slowed nope, 42. down. 42? Okay. Yep. He's, regardless, you can tell that he's just slowed down. So do you, basically, I just want to know, do you think that this 10-day layoff, it's going to be good for anybody. It's going to be good for him. Do you think after this 10-day rest, we're going to see more of the guy that we saw in the regular season? Or do you think it's just too far gone at this point, not enough rest, where we're going to see the same guy who's just been slow and showing his age throughout the playoffs? I think he'll be. I think this rest is going to benefit him. He's dealing with some stuff. Obviously, he missed Game Four. Um, he was dealing with some stuff before. He took that shot off the foot to Aho early in the in that Eastern Conference Final, and then he had some injury. Nobody really knew what it was. So I think it'll benefit him speed wise. I mean, he's slow. He he's been slow for years now. He was even slow in his prime, but the league was just slower. Now it's fast. So I, I mean. He, I, I don't think he's had an amazing playoffs. There have been a lot of times where he's looked like a traffic cone. I do think he's very important in the series because he is very good at wearing guys down with his physicality. And I think, the, you know, no matter how hard the Blues hit, it's hard to match up to a guy who's six foot nine, two fifty six. So if he's wearing down on you the whole game, he just hits you and flashing you and poking at you. That gets in your head, that hurts, that makes you not want to go to the dirty areas with him. So that's where it takes away a little bit of their, the Blues physicality, which is the main part of their game, which I've said a thousand times. Um, and then, you know, I mean, he, there's the typical Chara effect. He covers, you know, 25% of the D zone with his stick. Um, he gets helped out by McAvoy a lot because on the three-on-twos and, two, uh, and you know, the rushes coming down on him, the forecheck, they usually try to put the puck behind him, and McAvoy breaks the puck out because Char is too slow to turn around, go get it, and break it out most of the time. And when guys go skate right past him, McAvoy is usually there to, to stop it. Um, but I think another part of Char's game that's so important is his leadership. I mean, you know, this defensive core, you know, Every guy there is in their first Stanley Cup, and they're in their first two or three years in the league. Carlo, McAvoy, Grizzly, Clifton, and uh, well, Krug's been in it before, so not Krug. But four of the six, that's a lot. So they're looking up to him a ton. They've said it all week. They've been looking up to him. He's even said, you know, age doesn't matter. We don't account for age. You're just a teammate on this team. So I think his leadership is going to be really important in this series. I think Bergeron's going to be important, you know, the, especially during this layoff, staying focused. I mean – 
your 10 days. And if you gave me 10 days in the middle of the school year, God only knows the shit I would do. So I think that stay, and I'm 20, so staying, you know, focused and all that stuff, I think is going to be really uh, important. And it sort of trickles down from Jara. One thing I'm curious about, because you mentioned leadership, is Bergeron and Marchand's effect on Pasternak throughout the cup final. Because, he, again, first cup final, that line's so important to this team. How important it is for those two to keep Pasternak on track and make sure he actually shoots the stupid puck because he keeps passing it when he doesn't need to. And they, they need to have a big impact on him to make sure that he's going to shoot the puck. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think the, the reason that that line, the Bergeron line, doesn't get on the score sheet as much as like during the regular season is that that line is usually tasked with shutting down the other team's top line. So they get mainly defensive zone draws. Um, they obviously get a few offensive zone ones, but that, there's a reason that you see them score a lot of their points on the power plays because they're, they're deployed out there for that, but even strength, it's sort of just to cancel out the other team's top line or a line that Cassidy feels is, is hard to take down because Bergeron and Martian are so good in the defensive zone and now Poshnak's good at that. So um, I think Poshnak needs to shoot. There were a couple times I tweeted it out, I think in game four um, of the last series when he had an easy chance in front of the net and he just tries to pass it across. Like, dude, shoot it. Like, come on. Like, would kill for that. Oh, he had so, the yips so bad. Yeah, no, he did. And so I think that's not going to be a problem. I think he's, you know, he's still scoring. He's still doing fine. Um, I think it's just a matter of just shoot it, you know, just shoot the puck. You don't know. And, and, and the, the blues allow a lot of shots. I think they allow like average 28 shots on, on their own goalie. And Bennington's a young, young guy, you know, obviously he's, he's been hot, but still a young goalie shoot the puck, but I don't think it'll be a big problem. All right. We're going to wrap it up here, but I got to get your prediction. What do you think is going to happen this series? Uh, I want it to be Bruins in seven, and I'm going to give you reasons why. None of them are really, like, analytics-related. They're all just – it's to benefit myself because better that way. I'm out for me. <laughs> Much um, better that way. Yeah, this is what we want. Yeah. Yeah, so Bruins in seven. Um, a, because I'll be covering the games in Boston, so I want to see a team win on Garden Ice, whether it be the Blues or the Bruins. Obviously, I think it's – I mean, I'm supposed to be on a bias reporter. Obviously, I'd rather cover a team that wins. So I'd rather see the Bruins win in seven. And then on top of that, what sucks, though, about seven games is I'm supposed to get my wisdom teeth out the day after game seven. I don't know if I'm going to hold myself to that because I've already rescheduled once. I don't know if I'll reschedule a second time. They'll probably, like, freaking rip my no, they're gonna out. they're gonna drug you. That's gonna be great. I, after you're gonna be so happy. I know that's, true. that's a good point. I know. I mean, yeah. Look at this. You got to get the wisdom teeth taken out. I know it's true. I maybe I should. It's just yeah. Maybe I will. You convinced me. So um, <laughs> so there's that. And then that's true. I I just think it, it's on the hockey side of things. I think it's gonna go far. And I also want more hockey to watch. You know, I think playoff hockey is the best. So just let this play out as long as it can. Last year, the Cup went five games. The Golden Knights won the first game, and then the Capitals swept the rest of the series. It was a gentleman's sweep. So I'd rather see a back-and-forth, hard-hitting, overtimes. Like, and I know everyone hates that. It's like, oh, my you know, my heart's going to stop. It's fun to watch. Shut up. So I, you know, even if it's late nights, 
out at the garden because humble brag, I cover the team. So when I <laughs> when I leave the garden, when I leave the garden, it's like you know sometimes twelve thirty one o'clock in the morning. If it's overtime, it's later than that. But I want to see overtime hockey. So um, yeah, I say Bruins in seven. What do you guys say? I'm thinking the same. I think this is going to be a badass series. Oh, it's Bruins in six. They're going to win on the road. Yeah. I mean, uh, see, I just, it's six or seven to me. I don't think, there's no chance it goes four, no chance it goes five. I think it's a very real chance the Bruins lose game one because of the layoff. I think, because if they lose game one, I can tell you, and it's going to be annoying, and we're going to be asking questions. Oh, did the, did the layoff affect you guys? What do you think of the layoff? I mean, this whole this whole week, every question, <laughs> the layoff, the layoff. I swear to God, I I can't take it anymore. Um, and we still have five days left until the cup. So, I think it's incredibly real. The Bruins lose game one. Um, the Blues have been good on the road. So again, I would not be surprised they lose game one. I would be surprised if they lost both in Boston. The Bruins, so to speak. All right, Evan. Thanks for coming on, man. Of course. Anytime. Evan Marinovsky said that correctly of CLNS Media. Catch the Bruins Beat podcast that drops weekly at clnsmedia.com. Also catch it on iTunes. Follow him on Twitter at E Marinovsky. That's E-M-A-R-I-N-O-F-S-K-Y on Twitter. Evan, thanks for coming on, man. We'll, uh, we'll have to get you back soon. Of course. For sure. All right, man. We'll talk to you. Thanks so much. No problem. Once again, Evan Marinovsky of CLNS Media, Catch the Bruins Beat podcast, dropping weekly on CLNSmedia.com, at, at E. Marinovsky on Twitter. Back to the show. All right, once again, thank you, Evan Marinovsky, for coming on the show. We're going to get him back on soon. Great interview. First time we've ever had him on the show, obviously, mm-hmm. for people who have been listening for a long time. We're on episode 109, which is bananas at this Good point. Good Bruins guy. Good Bruins guy. Great Bruins guy. He knows his stuff. And you can tell, again, like if, you, if you're if you on Twitter, you've probably seen some of his videos. He knows his stuff very well, knows his Bruins. So give him a follow if you don't. I already read the Twitter, at E. Marinovsky, uh, again, on Twitter. So let's hop into the other main topics. Where do you want to start? I want to talk about this Dustin Pedroia, Michael Chavis thing. We don't have that much time. We've got, what, 10, 15 minutes left. Dustin Pedroia and Michael Chavis. It's a big topic with the Red Sox right now because, obviously, game plan coming into the year was Dustin Pedroia is going to be healthy, as as he kept telling us, as Dave Dombrowski kept telling us. Dave Dombrowski at one point told us that Dustin Pedroia is going to play 125 games, which is asinine. 125 games for Dustin Pedroia. Obviously not going to happen at this point. Uh, he's been on the IL since the Red Sox played the Yankees. Uh, more knee discomfort. Got pulled I, I he got taken out of the portland lineup again with more knee issues so he's still fighting those michael chavis his basically as of right now is heir apparent to the throne at second base not his natural position he's a corner infielder third baseman first baseman but michael chavis has been tearing it up he's not even just tearing it up around here to the point where we're the only ones noticing baseball's noticing he's got nine home runs since he's come up He's hitting two as of right now. He's hitting 287 coming into tonight's game, Wednesday, May 22nd. We record. And you know what? My whole thing was before, and, and Jared knows this. My thing before was 
when they were testing him out at second base, he only played four games. Alex Cora said he wasn't ready. I, I was with Alex Cora. I said, if this guy's not ready to play second base yet, you don't want to shake his confidence. He's come up. He hasn't been a liability at second base. He's not, he's not Dustin Pedroia-esque at second base, but he is he's, he's good. I mean, he's fine. He's but fine at second base. You don't need him to be Dustin Pedroia when he hits like that. Exactly. So this is the problem now, though. If Dustin Pedroia does come back, what do you do? Well, first of all, roster spot. Get Tyler Thornburg off this team. It's an easy. It's an easy transition. Just whenever, whenever Pedroia is ready. <laughs> bu- bu- off this team. Bye bye yeah. Thornburg. Send him to the moon. That guy stinks. He's just not good at baseball. That's all it is. He's just not good at baseball. Every single time Tyler Thornburg comes in, he's guaranteed to give up runs. At guaranteed. Least at least one. Yep. No, it's it's actually it's actually garbage at this point how bad he's been and he's the lo- white flag they when just he comes they, in the team gave up yeah, game's game's, up. O- game's over Alex score Thorberg come throw the baseball around a little bit kid we're done we want to go home <laughs> turn off the tv because the game is done it yeah, just kids, doesn't matter hide your kids hide your wife families go home <laughs> start the buses we're gonna put Thorberg in bye-bye have a good night we'll see you tomorrow so bad he's awful um but yeah I mean like what do you do what do you do? Because you know Pedroia is going to want to play every day. You play Chavis and Pedroia should. I don't think Pedroia is coming back. I really don't. Like, I don't either, but this is a hypothetical. Hypothetical, if Pedroia does come back, you're going to find a way to get Chavis in the lineup. You're going to have to. I mean, it might not be every day. It literally might not be. Like, it might be a situation where he rotates in at third, second, you know, maybe DHs a couple games here and there. You know, we're seeing J.D. Martinez isn't playing right now. So... There's a good way to get him in every game. I just want him to get every game at second base because that's where he needs to be. Like, he's not going to get better defensively and not get consistent when you're if you're running around different positions. So that's the problem. If Pedroia comes back and, like, demands a spot at second base and Cora gives it to him, that's not good for Chavis' development. That's not good for Chavis as a baseball player because you're going to stick him at positions that he's not going to play long-term. And also, I mean, so we, this is where the relationship with Alex Cora comes in to play with um with Dustin Pedroia because as we know they knew each other in 2007 they played together but they're boys but I mean you got to make the the tough decision you have to make the tough decision because while yeah Dustin Pedroia is Dustin Pedroia will probably have his number retired here he's a borderline hall of famer I wouldn't be shocked if he gets in maybe second third ballot but at this point, it's just obvious who's performing better. And you're at the point now in the season, if you're five and a half games behind first place, the Yankees are tearing it up. You can't afford right now to screw around. You have to put in the lineup that you think's going to win. And the lineup right now, the spark right now is Michael Chavis. You can't not play Michael Chavis. That's all it is. And they've given him reps in the outfield. Don't put him in the outfield. Don't screw this up like you screwed up Blake Swihart. Keep him where he is. It's working. The team is playing well, kind of. The team is playing decent. Keep him at second base. That's needs, the only option. Dustin Pedroia has to be on the bench if he comes back. It, it, it needs to be like, if you want to put let Pedroia play, if he does come back, Chavis plays third, Devers gets nights off. Like, Chavis needs to be in the lineup. Yeah, but Devers is so hot, too. You can't not play Devers. The only person who... The, the problem is where everybody else is playing, that where, where Chavis could play, so like first base, third base... They're both 
producing. I mean, Mitch Moreland's average isn't great, but he's hitting home runs when the team needs it. Rafi Devers is one of the hottest hitters in baseball right now. You can't not, you can't take those guys out. You're not putting Chavis in the outfield. You shouldn't. So I guess the only opportunity would be, hey, if J.D. Martinez is on the IL or is not on the IL, but he's sick right now, this would be a good time to put him at DH. But I agree with you. I want him in the field because I want him to get used to major league fielding. And it's it's working out right now. Look, look they won the World Series without Dustin Pedroia last year. It's He wants to be part of the team. Great. I know how much he loves the game, but you got to do what's best for the team. And at this point, what's best for the team is Pedroia sitting, Chavis playing. That's just a matter of fact. Oh, 100%. All right. So next little bit of news that we got this week. Apparently, some teams are wary now of signing Kyrie Irving because of what happened this year. So Kyrie Irving, obviously, as we know, he's a pain in the ass. Big old pain in the ass. Big old bitch. A lot of whining. A lot of anger. Not great play in the playoffs. Actually, putrid play in the playoffs for a guy who's supposed to be Mr. Playoffs. Really bad. So now teams are becoming wary of putting, quote, all the eggs in the Kyrie basket. So this is actually, maybe that's not the exact quote, but this is this is per Steve Bullpett's piece of the Boston Herald. He said, quote, the most interesting bit of information from several sources that we've been, been, been able to consolidate and confirm is that some teams thought to have interest in Irving as a free agent are now a great deal more wary. Based on the way things played out with the Celtics this season and Irving's role both off the court all year and on it in the playoff loss to Milwaukee, certain clubs are concerned about putting too many eggs in his basket right away. So, people now do not want Kyrie Irving. And honestly, makes sense. Makes sense. You want to give that guy a five-year max? Yeah, you have, you have fans here, like, freaking yeah, out, people, like... <laughs> Like about when he the beginning of the year he said you'll have me you'll take me oh my god Kyrie's gonna stay now it's like get the fuck out of town because last you know what in 2017 into 2018 he wasn't this bitchy he was just a guy listen and 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 well he was LeBron's bitch that's what it was well even no even when he his first year here he didn't open his mouth too much. And, yeah, but he played for a, a good chunk of the season. He was great for a good chunk of the season. The only difference is when he was playing, he wasn't just coming out and, and just acting sensitive. And he just doesn't – I think something that bothers fans more about Kyrie is his lack of leadership skills because he oh. constantly talked about the leadership skills. He constantly talked about how this is going to be his team, how he's going to be the leader, and it just never developed. It seems like he was the main focus point of all the negative energy with the team. And that's where the frustration with Celtics fans comes from. It's not for any other reason. It's just that Celtics fans want winners. That's all it is. But I think, he just I think doesn't the seem like it. Biggest problem with Kyrie is not knowing how to handle the young kids' egos. Because think about what you just said, right? The first season he was here, it was fine. Those young kids hadn't gone on the scene yet because they didn't play in the playoffs without him yet. So they were all in place like, oh, I'm going to play my role. I'm playing with Kyrie Irving. This is great. We're a good team. Kyrie goes down. He's not there. We play. We're awesome. And then that's what caused the drama this year because they all wanted to play thinking they were all stars. And Kyrie's like, now nah, this is my team. So that makes sense because they weren't they weren't at the point where they are now when Kyrie's first season was happening. And that's why there was no issue because Kyrie's, I truly believe this, Kyrie's off-the-court communications and his antics, all that stuff, 
It's because he didn't know how to handle the drama in the locker room. He didn't know how to handle it. Well, so if, if one thing taught us anything this season, it's that Kyrie's not a number one on a team. He's a number two. He's a 1A. Uh, well, he can, yeah, he's so a he 1A. He can be a one talent-wise. He just can't be the leader. He's a 1A. Yeah, but I think there's got to be a big who's better than him, like a Kevin Durant. But the thing is, I think you also need that guy who is going to be a strong leader for the team, like you just said. Like, Kevin Garnett was that guy with the Celtics in 2008. He was a guy who we loved because he grinded, because he wanted to win. That's all he wanted. He wanted to take home a championship, and he did it with just just intensity and grit, and he was just he a great leader. He was accountable. He held everybody accountable. You, you heard the stories of practice. He just goes off on the second team like, dude, what are you guys doing? Get your shit together. Let's go. Like, we're playing for one call. Like, he held everybody accountable, and everyone wasn't really afraid of him, but they all looked up to him. Because of and, what he did. And if they were ever struggling, you know, Kevin Durant, I mean, uh, Kevin Garnett was never like, oh, you guys have to stop. Oh, ask me in July. Like, it was, we have to get better. We have we're, to play we're gonna better. We're going to grind it out. It's we a have bar, to win. bar fight. We're going to grind out. We're going to win a game. Yeah, we have to win. It's not anybody else's specific fault. I'm not going to say that to the media. We have to win as a team. That's what a leader does. That's why we loved Kevin Garnett. You need, and here's my other problem. The big name obviously tossed around is Anthony Davis. I don't even know if Anthony Davis is that guy. I mean, he's had right? okay teams in New Orleans, and what have they done? That's what I'm saying. I don't know if he's even that guy to really take that role from from Anthony Davis. I mean, from from Kyrie to be the top guy to be number one and to to lead the team. All right, let's move on. Last topic. I I just. I just want to talk about this. This does, this isn't going to be long. Do you have a problem with the way that Drake controls himself or acts on court side during Toronto Raptors games? Because this comes from last night. <laughs> so we record Wednesday. Game four, he walked up to Nick Nurse court side during the game and rubbed his shoulders. Like after a play happened, just walked over yeah. casually, gave him a little massage on the shoulders. Like, you're doing good job. Nice job. Let's go. And then just walk back. Mid-game. Wild. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> um, I don't have a problem with it. It's yeah, me, neither it's do NBA. I. I don't really care. I love it. I, th I honestly wish it happened more often. I wish there were more celebrities out there like Drake in terms of, like, sports, being a sports fan. Um, now, do I believe in the Drake curse? 1,000%. The Raptors, oh, are yeah. not gonna, Raptors aren't going to the finals. He wore like, six of shorts. Yeah, no. I don't believe at all that the Raptors are going to the finals because Drake's on the, on the sideline. But I think it's good for the NBA. I think it's good for everybody. I love it. When I saw it have it, I actually double took. I like rewinded the game. I was like, wait, <laughs> did Drake just actually go over to him and give him a like rub his shoulders? Like that just that was that wasn't even a timeout. It wasn't like he called the timeout or like it was like in between quarters or something like that. Like it was legit as the game was going on. It was it was hilarious. And no, I don't have a problem with it either. This is like the same people who have a problem with this are like the same people who have a problem with bat flips. You know, it's like and and here's the thing with the NBA. The NBA is more about the drama at this point than it is about the actual game. Like, like I've said it a million times on this podcast. My favorite thing about the NBA is the offseason. I love the offseason. July 1 is fire. Yeah, exactly. So things like this, hilarious. Drake, phenomenal. It doesn't matter. He went to go give the guy a shoulder rub mid-game. Who cares? It's awesome. The NBA is just full of drama, celebrities, theatrics. That's what this league is. That's what this league has been for a long time now. We, we need it. We need it. Drake, I love it. I love the fandom. 
I like I've never had a problem with the way Drake's conducted himself on the sidelines. Who cares? Oh, yeah, it's it's absolutely phenomenal the way he handles himself. It's great. I don't mind. And again, just don't latch yourself to any Boston team and we're good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Couch Guys Sports Podcast, episode number 109 in the books. Once again, thank you, Evan Marinovsky of CLNS Media, for coming on the show. Follow him on Twitter at emarinovsky. Then follow us everywhere on Twitter at Couch Guys Sports. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, like us on Facebook, and then the podcast is Couch Guy Sports Pod. You sure? No, I'm not sure to be honest. I like a Couch Guy Podcast. It's Couch Guy Podcast. Couch Guy Pod. Listen, I, I, I doesn't know our own Twitter handle. I had no. I had my confidence shaken with this a couple weeks ago because I thought I got it wrong. So now I'm constantly double guessing myself. Double, yeah, guessing. Uh, double, whatever. At Couch Guy Podcast. That's it. Rate and subscribe on iTunes. Boy, that's the show. Bruins in the Stanley Cup Finals. Let's go. Couch Guy Sports Podcast, episode number 109 in the books. Guys, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.